The lawns are all brown, so the lawnmower's been put away until spring. The tomatoes and peppers have all been pulled up. The grasses cut down, the roses cut back. The shorts have all been put away. Now it's jeans every day. The hoodies, sweaters, sweatshirts, that's what we're wearing now. Most of the leaves have been raked and picked up. I personally don't rake leaves. But I wonder, do kids still rake big piles of leaves and jump in them and play? Christmas cards and letters have been written and mailed. Maybe that's a reminder to you. Uh, Christmas lights are up in many places and homes. Uh, stores have had Christmas out for several weeks. Uh, and I, as I walk through the Christmas decoration section, there's some things that I look at and say, what does that have to do with Christmas? Even the Santa Claus part of Christmas. You know, a flamingo or an elephant or a giraffe or whatever. Can't get that in my head. Um, hopefully, families are planning their get-togethers. And calendars have arrived or been purchased. Gifts have been bought and wrapped. Or get gift cards have been bought. So, here it comes, ready or not, it's Christmas season. But we need to remember that for some, it's not going to be a Merry Christmas because it's going to be the first Christmas without a loved one, someone special in their lives. So let's not forget them. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for this time of year. Lord, Help us to make sure your son doesn't get lost in everything that's happening right now, uh, because he indeed is the reason for the season, uh, and I don't care what anybody else or anything else says. So, Lord, as we look at your word, Father, help us to see what it is that you've got for us today, because, Lord, you never fail to make your word new to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I imagine many of you are like me, well, at least in this way. I hear or read a scripture that's familiar, and then I think, well, where did that come from? You know, what's up with that? You know, it may be one that I've read many times and used in a Bible study or even given messages on, and all of a sudden, God has changed the Bible. He's added something new. Well, this happened to me a few weeks back. Uh, Southland Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, where we went for a year. Uh, we continue to, to watch the messages just about every week. And Pastor John Weiss was giving a message concerning the church in Corinth and how they had strayed away, and they were just kind of making up their own rules as they went along. Well, then he read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. And this is from the New Living Translation. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, those are words that probably most of us have read or heard 
at different times, and a wedding just wouldn't be complete without chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. I was even asked to use that chapter in a few funerals. Well, we know the whole chapter is about love, okay? But let's take a look at it and see what it is about that love and who it is, um, who it's for. So let me try to break down those three verses in maybe a new way, and you'll be like me and scratch your head and wonder, what's up with that? So Paul is talking about giving and giving and giving and not giving. And this isn't a message on giving. So here's verse 1 in the message. It says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Now, I'm going to kind of add uh, the New Living Translation and the message together as I go through this. And I'll throw in a little NIV someplace. So what Paul is saying is, if I take the time and learn all of the possible languages, now personally, I cannot imagine that. Okay, I have enough trouble with English. And when I was in school back in the dark ages, uh, until I was about a freshman, maybe a junior, the only foreign language that was taught in our school was Latin. And then in my later years, they started teaching French. So as I look at some written languages, I cannot imagine trying to learn them. We went to uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators in Orlando, and it's unbelievable the things that they're doing there. I mean, they are taking languages where there's not a written language, and they're writing it down. Uh, we have good friends, uh, Matt and Grace, that they are in Mongolia now, and they had to learn the language before they got there. And they were in China before that, had to learn the language. All of our kids learned Spanish. Diane uh, took French. Um, I don't know as any of them could carry on a conversation, but Paul is obviously exaggerating, trying to make a point because he even includes angelic speech. So uh, the next part of the verse talks about being an eloquent speaker. Well, in order to accomplish that, it takes time. It takes practice, you know, doing it over and over. You get better as you go along. And for some time and practice just isn't enough. Some people aren't cut out to be a public speaker. Like Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue, kind of like me sometimes. Public speaking is the second greatest fear that people have. It's second only to the fear of death. So what Paul is saying here is this. If I give the time and take the courses on Babel, and then I get to be a great speaker, and love's not my motivator, it's all been done for myself. It's all for the noise that I can make, that noisy gong or clanging cymbal. 
a rusty gate that was creaking. Or I'm doing it just to try and impress people, you know. I can go anywhere and walk into a room and I can just speak all these languages, you know, and that would impress a lot of people with me. Well, then verse 2 in the message says this, If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. There have been, and are now, some very good Bible teachers, able to interpret what Scripture is saying, at least in their interpretation. If you go online to look for a Bible commentary, there's a whole bunch of them. There's Wearsby and MacArthur and Henry and Moody and uh, Wycliffe and Tony Evans and other modern ones, and many, many more. Do they all agree? <laughs> no. If they did, there would be no need for more than one Bible commentary. Because if you were Mr. Moody and you looked at Matthew Henry's uh, Bible commentary and said, well, I just, I agree with everything. He got it good. He's got it right. So I guess I just won't bother. That's not the way it is. Okay. Each one of those people looks at things a little bit different, just like you and me. Well, Paul is letting them know, the Corinthians, two things. There are no doubt some Bible scholars in Corinth that can understand, to some point anyways, and explain God's word. And the second thing is, some may look at him as the one who knows and completely understands the word. Okay? And to me, that would be understandable, because... You know, you would look at Paul, a man that knew the word uh, as a Jew and is living and writing the word as he uh, carries on his life. And so he had to be regarded as a real Bible scholar in his time. But regardless of the level of anyone's comprehension, without love, it really means nothing. Well, the second thing that Paul talks about in verse 2 is faith. If I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not love, I'm nothing. Paul may have heard about the mustard seed thing from one of the gospel writers or one of the other disciples. In Matthew chapter 17, uh, he writes about how the disciples tried unsuccessfully to drive out a demon from a boy. And so then Jesus said, You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? So Jesus went ahead and drove out the demon. And the disciples asked why they couldn't do it. And Jesus answered, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you that if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You know, back in the spring when we were planting our garden, I was just amazed at how tiny some of these seeds were. I mean, they were just like a dot on a page. And kind of reminded me of my faith sometimes. Because if you're like me, 
the level of your faith is kind of like a roller coaster. Uh, you know, in some areas and some days, I feel I've got a lot of faith. I feel I've got great faith. And others, not so much. But if I'm looking at it that way, it's about me. Because the depth of my faith depends on me, not God. We sometimes compare ourselves to others. You know, if I had the faith of Beulah, or if I had the faith of George, you know, when we should be comparing ourselves to Jesus, not George and Beulah. Okay, they may have great faith, and that's wonderful, but no one has the faith that Jesus does. Well, in verse 3, Paul talks about having a giveaway. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. I believe the Lord asks each of his children to be ready to give. Okay, he invites us to give. But he wants us to be ready to give to the point of giving it all. And that goes back to verse 2 in the faith that's there. Because you'd need a whole lot of faith to be able to do that. Say, okay, here's my house, here's my vehicle, here's my clothes, here's all my money in the bank. Uh, you know, it's all, all yours. That would take a whole lot of faith. So then Paul says this in verse 3. If I surrender my body to the flames... Okay, Paul's talking about being a martyr. Now, this is something that the believers could relate to because it happened to many believers in the early church. And we know that it still does today. Uh, I believe it was in the, the 20th century there were more uh, Christians martyred for their faith than all the time before that. Uh, and it's not happening any less here in the 21st century. But that's the ultimate sacrifice, is to give your life. But if it's not done out of love, it really doesn't mean anything. The NIV says, if I give over my body to hardship, that I may boast. Well, that's a great way to do it, right? But Paul says, I gain nothing. Okay, what's in it for me? Nothing. It's all about love. Just like God giving his son, it was about love. Not our love for God, but God's love for us. Because we need to remember, it's not about us. Okay, we just celebrated Thanksgiving here in the U.S. And we're headed into a season of giving. Okay, giving of gifts, giving of food, giving of money, giving of hopefully our time as well. So let's make sure that we're giving out of love, okay? Not, oh, man, I got to do this. I got to buy that. I got to give this person a gift. You know, if it's not out of love, the giving really doesn't mean anything, okay? Not counting on what we will, will or will not gain from our giving. After all, we need to be giving thanks to the Lord first for the ability to be able to give to others, because it's all his, all comes from him. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that you love us and that you forgive us 
or sometimes our, our selfish motives. And the Lord, as your children, uh, we need your help to be able to do that. Because uh, I know myself, I sometimes um, give expecting in return, and that's not what you call us to do. So, Father, help me and any others that need to be um, thinking about that and praying about that. <coughs> and, Father, I lift up those that may have stumbled upon this podcast that don't know you. And then all this faith stuff and giving stuff is something that's foreign to them. Uh, and so, Lord, I just pray that you'll just touch their hearts today, that you'll put a burden on their hearts, that they need to have a relationship with you. Because when that relationship begins, the faith and the love and the giving all make more sense to them and will continue to make more as they continue to grow. So, Father, let them know that uh, they need to surrender their lives to you and, Lord, to seek your forgiveness. So, Father, let them pray like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And Jesus is the only, the only Savior of the world. Father, I give you my life. I give you my love. Lord, help me to grow that I can be more like Jesus. And I can be giving like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.